are uh, getting ready to transition into one of our favorite segments every week that we do uh, here called Unraveling Your Traveling with uh, host Jonathan Soppy. Uh, Jonathan joining us live now from KHNL's uh, studio there in Honolulu, Hawaii. Jonathan, uh, how's it going out there for you today? here in our newsroom so it is quite the buzz it's happening on saturday so if you're interested in hawaii politics at all check out our website we're going to have a lot of campaign coverage coming up ahead on hawaiinewsnow.com and all our hnn digital platforms so that's what's going on sounds sounds like a busy day already today uh but of course let's transition into our favorite topic here with you, Jonathan, traveling. Uh, today, we've got a couple of different things that we're going to talk about. Of course, one of the big ones that has just been a plague all summer long, flight cancellations. What is going on? Will it ever come to an end, Jonathan? Well, I don't know if I have the answer you want to hear there but let's run through what happened over this weekend again and i feel like a broken record talking about this stuff u.s airlines canceled or delayed thousands of flights over this weekend as bad weather and staffing shortages added up to more frustrations for passengers hearing it over and over again i'll run through some of the numbers for you more than 7,000 domestic flights were delayed and about 650 were canceled on saturday alone according to FlightAware. then on sunday an additional 8100 flights were delayed and 950 were canceled again according to FlightAware, that website that tracks flights turmoil on the tarmac continued on monday with more than 500 flights canceled and 2,800 delay by, delayed by mid-afternoon. In many cases, weather was to blame, like in Chicago, which was impacted the most by heavy rains and flooding. But as you know, and as we've been talking about for weeks now, it's not all Mother Nature's fault. It's been far from smooth this summer as travelers feel the effects of airline staffing shortages and less air traffic controllers out there that have been causing delays. Politicians have begun to call upon the Biden administration to exert more pressure on airlines who some believe are booking way too many flights than they're able to staff. So I'm going to take a live look outside at San Francisco, a place I would like to go traveling very soon. So my best advice is we're not out of the woods yet. And if you're wanting to travel somewhere like beautiful San Fran, the best advice I have for you is expect problems and if you don't have any just be happy about it i mean just take it smooth be happy we're back in the air in a post in a nearing a po nearing more of a post-pandemic world we'll take each little win that we can every time when it comes to traveling here uh, lately of course jonathan uh hey i i understand that um, yeah oh, unfortunately that's all the oh sorry Go, go for it. Go oh, for just, it. Sorry. Sorry. A little delay. Delay. I was just saying, yeah, sorry. I don't have much good news on that front. But there are, like I mentioned, many politicians and many in the government who are really pushing the transportation secretary and him himself is pushing the airlines to do more about this. And it's really staffing shortages. What happened was there was a wave of pilots who retired even before the pandemic began and then the pandemic even more retired and there just really wasn't those training services to get a bunch more pilots up to speed so we're just trying to get there and it's going to be a slow process 
Something else I know we're following here, I, I believe I saw this story recently, there was a hard landing uh, and there was a flight attendant that was hurt during that incident. And of course, you know, we, we always, when we're on the plane, they always say, make sure that your seat belt is fastened even if there's no turbulence and they definitely push it while you're in the landing process. And I, I believe that the flight attendant was in the jump seat and she was strapped down, but still somehow got injured. Yeah, let's run through this story. This is certainly trending on our website, hawaiinewsnow.com, and across the Gray Network. I know it got a lot of buzz. And the interesting thing about this story, it actually happened last month. It was a Southwest Airlines flight attendant who suffered the fracture to her vertebrae in her upper back during a hard landing. It happened in early July. I think it was July 1st, according to the F. AA. The National Transportation Safety Board said the impact of the landing was so hard that the flight attendant thought the plane had crashed. She felt pain in her back and neck and could not move and was taken to the hospital and was diagnosed with the fracture. The safety board completed its investigation saying without saying what caused the hard landing, the NTSB said none of the other 141 people on board that plane were injured. It happened at John Wayne Airport in California. That's in the Santa Ana area of California. It's a very sort of small airport, but it's growing. Uh, pilots told the investigators that they were aiming for a normal touchdown, but this is a relatively short runway, so not saying that contributed to this, but it could have. Yes. Scary, though, right? Scary. And um, turbulence alone always sort of freaks me out, so I can't imagine a boom so loud or bump so loud that the flight attendant herself is reporting to investigators that she thought the plane had crashed so yikes that had to be a tough one that's definitely a tough one yeah i'm kind of a nervous flyer to begin with as it is um and and i think we should sh share some stories perhaps after we uh, talk about this next topic because this wasn't the only incident that you're following there was another incident and in this case uh a jet blue aircraft clipped the wing of another plane what's what Yes, yes. And this has happened a few times, at least since I've been covering travel. It's not too infrequent because those uh, the runways get a little busy. Uh, FAA says JetBlue, the plane clipped that Southwest Airlines jet on Sunday at LaGuardia Airport. It happened on the ground. It says no one was injured. The Southwest plane was actually empty. Uh, investigators say wingtips of the two planes touched while the jet blue, jet blue plane was being pushed back from its gate. The FAA says air traffic controllers were not directing the aircraft at the time. So I don't know how much damage was done, but I can only imagine the amount of safety checks both those planes are going to have to go through now that incident happened because you know those are very, very stringent safety checks. I'll tell you my uh, flight bumpy story real quickly. Yeah. You were just mentioning that uh, the only time I have ever flown first class, I got bumped from a flight and they're like, oh, we'll give you a flight voucher. You'll get to sit first class. It's going to be amazing. All this stuff. So I waited around, got my first class seat all lounged out. And then as soon as we went over like Santa Monica area, heading towards the Pacific back here to Hawaii, I had gotten complimentary wine. It went all over the person next to me. Everyone screamed. It was the most turbulence I've ever experienced. I was completely freaked out the rest of the flight. Ruined the first class experience, and that was the only time I'll probably ever be able to afford first class. 
So that's it. That was my probably my worst turbulence story I've ever had. I, so mine uh, happened recently, actually. Prior to, uh, prior to this incident uh -oh. happening, I thought my most scary moment was really scary, but this one was, uh, that made it look like child's play. So I was on a flight, a relatively short flight, uh, from, I believe, St. Louis to uh, Charlotte, and we had uh, smooth blue skies. I mean, it was smooth as glass, not a bump to be felt the entire flight. And as we were approaching uh, the Charlotte metro area, we started to uh, take our descent. Uh, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the plane went from smooth level, smooth as glass, to literally sideways on its right side. Uh, and everyone started to scream, including myself, even though I never actually heard myself scream, but I can only imagine that I did. Uh, the pilot tried to correct, and when they did, uh, we went really oh, hard you. back to the left. I lost you there. And I hope you're still oh no, telling that story. Uh, so well, w let me see. Let me see. Hopefully, the signal will come back uh, for uh, Jonathan. Uh, oh, Clay, I lost you there. I lost okay. You. Oh, now I got you back. Okay. I got okay. You back. I was gonna I say, ho hopefully, hopefully we'll get you back. So what uh, happened? What happened? Okay. So the plane went to the side. Everyone's screaming. That's where I left you. You right, can't leave yeah. me with that. So, yeah. You got. You got to love cell phones, right? Yeah. Uh, so, so the plane went <laughs> to the right. The pilot turned really hard to the left to try to correct, and then we all went from leaning to the right hard to the left. Uh, unfortunately, at the time. The, the flight attendants and everything, they were not in their seats, so I'm just watching their heads and their bodies just bobble around kind of in that little section. Uh, luckily, they weren't in one of the bigger sections where they could really move around. Uh, but then we went back to the right again, uh, and so once we kind of got leveled out, it, it the, everybody around us were, were kind of talking, and it just kind of seemed like maybe there was some kind of issue with the autopilot or something like that. That's kind of what we came to the conclusion, although we never got an official answer, uh, the pilot just simply came on the y'all call and said, sorry about that. And then we landed safely. And then I highly debated Whoa. the rest of my travels on that trip. Uh, but that one, that one was a scary one because there was no thunderstorms around. There was no clouds around. Uh, it came out of nowhere, and it was really scary. Yeah, we all have these stories, but we have to remember airlines are the safest way to travel. Yeah. It's true fact. Yeah, this was uh, this was not too long ago. I uh, maybe last summer, perhaps uh, I think is when that happened. So yeah, it was it was pretty scary. Uh, all right, moving on here to something less scary, and you know, again, good reminder from Jonathan that flying is the safest way of traveling. Hey, uh, Japan visitors are starting to return to the U.S., uh, but why are U.S. travelers slow to return to Japan? It seems there's a little bit of a difference there well let me start by saying this how big of a deal this is for hawaii it's a huge huge economic for our tourism industry which of course drives our entire economy here on the islands also international uh from asia especially japan to places like california las vegas nevada are also huge numbers but the reason why they're not coming in here, well, it's about those COVID restrictions mm. as much. And that's why they're starting to come here. They're starting to ease here. But going back, why U.S. travelers aren't going back is because the COVID restrictions are still in place in a lot of places and very strict. 
So, and they're also limited to just tour group travel right now. You can't just go and say, like, hey, I want to book a ticket and go visit Japan or I want to go visit Osaka. You can't do that. You have to book with, a, like, a travel group, a planned package, which a lot of U.S. travelers are just not all about. They really want the freedom to go where they want to go. So we had a reporter, Jolani Martinez, who just filed a story about all this. I'm going to play it out for you. Japan recently started lifting COVID restrictions, allowing more people to travel to Hawaii. But Japanese arrivals are a bit slower than what economists forecasted. I mean, this is good news, and and uh, qualitatively, it's what we expected. Um, whether we hit the kinds of numbers that we we were forecasting is yet to be seen. Economist Carl Bonham says in July, about 850,000 people flew into Hawaii. About 30,000 of those passengers were from Japan, making up 4% of the total. Before COVID, Japanese visitors made up nearly 20% of arrivals. Bonham says economic uncertainty and the surging value of the U.S. dollar against Japanese yen could be causing pushback. They're going to have to spend quite a bit more for... Uh, what they used to versus what they used to spend for a, a typical Hawaii vacation. More routes are now available for Eastern international travelers. Japan Airlines resumed service to Kona. Hawaiian Airlines also restarted daily service from Haneda to Honolulu. They'll still fly Narita to Honolulu as well. Bonham says that's an indication that the demand is there. This is kind of important because as we go into the fall and into uh, 2023, we're you know, we expect to see a softening of demand for travel from U.S. visitors uh, as they confront higher costs. Good afternoon. Thank you for calling NASA Travel. After being sidelined for two and a half years, they're more than ready to go. And, you know, our phones are ringing off the hook for New Year's. Going the other direction, Hawaii visitors to Japan will see fewer restrictions, but vacations are still heavily restricted. Unless you're traveling on business or visiting a relative, tourists must travel with a tour group on a set itinerary. At nonstop travel, they've got about 800 people signed up to fly up there these next four months. But the managing director says visas are required. We're hoping that it drops, but for now it hasn't, so we're just chugging along and getting those applications out. The Hawaii Tourism Authority says Japan is holding off on easing travel restrictions for foreign visitors until the end of the year due to a seventh COVID wave. But they're not expected to add new rules. Jolani Martinez, Hawaii News Now. Our Jolani Martinez giving us that update there on Hawaii News Now. A big Today topic that we're always discussing here at H&N is the Japanese visitor, as I mentioned to you, super important to our economy. And we've uh, been missing it. Absolutely. No, and, and I'm happy. I'm so happy that it is coming back to the islands for sure, as uh, of course, I, I'm, I'm sure that you guys enjoy seeing uh, folks traveling from the mainland. But of course, uh, having having folks travel internationally uh, from Japan, got to be got to be really big uh, income for the island for sure. Yeah, it's a huge chunk of the total tourism market. And um, the flights are starting to come back, but the numbers are still pretty dismal when it comes to the Japanese visitors. I don't have the exact numbers, but even at the beginning of the year, we were seeing like in the low, low, low hundred coming per day when we're used to seeing 5,000. Mm. Well, Jonathan, I'm, pandemic. I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, I was going to say, well, glad to see uh, some of those numbers coming back up. Uh, here's a topic I think we can all get behind, and you've done some 
long distance traveling here lately, so I'm sure you are familiar with this. Uh, of course, uh, airplane food, not the best ever. You know, I don't think we're talking about five-star or five star meals or anything like that. Uh, but let's talk about it. Best and worst when it comes to in-flight meals. So it's important to note here that, you know, the human body can actually react differently to food 30,000 feet in the sky, in the air, than when you're down on the ground. There was a study done in Germany that found that low pressure of planes actually reduced the sensitivity of the human taste buds by 20 to 30 percent. So maybe that explains some of the blandness we see with the food on the airlines. Yeah, but airlines aren't really interested in your taste buds. They're really focused on food safety and just getting you fed. So the worst thing a lot of people say to eat is pasta, and I can vouch for that. And that's for a lot of reasons beyond food safety. It's because it really just can't handle the some you know some foods can't handle the pressure or altitudes. And pasta, like all dishes in the air, are typically reheated before serving, meaning it's likely going to be really overcooked by the time it gets to you. And if you're expecting al dente, al dente, you're just not going to get that with the pasta on the plane. If the ratio to sauce to pasta is off, you'll likely have a really sloppy mess. And I can tell you from experience, my friend, I just flew from Newark to Naples, Italy. They served pasta, and I was like, wow, I've, I've actually never had a, a pasta dish on a plane. Terrible. Terrible mush. Terrible, 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 terrible mush. It was no good at all. And, you know, there's actually even, uh, just searching around, I just found this, like, maybe two minutes before we went on the air. I found this uh, Instagram, In Flight Feeds, and this guy, I'm going to run through this, and I think I can finally find some really good examples for the next time we talk or sometime in the future. He actually rates, he's a big traveler, or they, I think it's a heat day, uh, are a big traveler. They rate all the foods they get, and it's a good advice and good tip tracker there for if you're interested in what airlines and what flights have the best food. But you know what? My tip here, my friend, is most of the time, it just is not so good. So you're better to just pack what you like so you're not grumpy, hangry in the oh. air. Like, just take the food with you. Take it through security. You can take food through security. People don't realize that as long as it's not con considered a liquid. You can even bring peanut butter in. Wow. So just as long as it's not a liquid, go to your fast food place, buy it cheaper than you would at the airport fast food places, bring it on through security. Might smell it up a bit. Might make people hungry in that line. But you'll be satisfied, my friend, and you'll have cheap food that you can take with you on the plane. So my advice there. Well, uh, it's, start, it's starting to make sense, perhaps, as you mentioned, why maybe some of the airplane food is so bland. I had no idea that altitude can affect your taste buds, so you learn something new every day. But, you right. know, I'm from, yeah. I'm from New Orleans, uh, born and raised there, and so I definitely like a little flavor, a little spice uh, with my food. And so I, if, if it tastes good on the ground, I would, I'm sure it's going to taste good up in the air, so I'm right there with you. I'm, I would just bring it from the bring it from the ground and uh bring it with you instead of uh, risking it all there on the uh, on the bland airplane food <laughs> yeah it's always sad to me how much air, airplane food gets wasted too you just watch this flight attendants gathering the food they're just throwing away so much mm. of it it's people honestly don't like it but they want it because it's free right so 
there's some work to be done, I think, personally, in the regards to airplane food. Some airlines, though, got it right. Like, I've had some good meals. I think often chicken dishes do really well. You can load a lot of flavor into chicken, and it's good reheated, right? Right. And uh, rice can be pretty good on planes. Um, and just anything that's packaged food. I mean, you can't go wrong with, like, the cookies and the pretzels, things like that. Time to get Chef Jonathan on the job there for the airlines. Yes, yes. I see a budding career, maybe. <laughs> if only I could cook on the ground, which is never going to happen. All righty. Uh, there you have it, Jonathan Soppy, with our latest uh, uh, episode there of Unraveling Your Traveling. He is from KHNL out of Honolulu, Hawaii, our resident travel expert, if you will. Jonathan, we appreciate your time as always, and we hope you uh, have a, a great end to your day.